Father, we do uh, just, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the wonderful blessing of being able to, uh, to gather together in this way. Um, it's, it's been quite emotional just to be able to, to, to meet as a body. It's something that you have called us to do, and, and we, we're living in these, these, um, these times that, 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 that required us to not gather for a while. And so we we thank you, Lord, for uh, just the ability for us to, to gather collectively, even, even broken through three services and some online. And, and so we ask, Father, that you would bless our time now as we uh, open the word. We do pray, especially for our nation. We pray um, just there's, a, just there's more than I can even address in this prayer. Um, but there's so many things happening, Lord. We, we pray... Um, for the lostness of our world, for the pain of our world. Um, and we ask, God, that you would uh, allow Christ to be glorified in all of this. We pray for those that don't know him as Savior. Uh, Lord, ultimately, Jesus is the only way to true peace and forgiveness and reconciliation. And so we ask for that. We, uh, we pray, Father, uh, for the law enforcement that are working, uh, trying to bring about peace and keep peace. Um, it, it, I can't imagine a society without the authorities over us, Lord. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing that you instituted over us so that we could ultimately live in peace. And so, Father, we pray um, that you would bring about um, just healing. And, and I, I don't even know what it looks like, but we, we ask, Lord, that you would move uh, in the leadership of our nation um, from the highest form to the lowest form, we pray for the people who are angry and upset, and, and Lord, ultimately, that you would just bring peace uh, to our land, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 14, verse 12. <clears throat> On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent the two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. As they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and to say to him, One by one, Surely not I. And he said to them, it is, it is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, 
and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. We again thank you that we can gather here to, to be with one another, to assemble, to study your word, and to participate in, in the Lord's Supper together. We ask that you bless our time now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and, to, and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And so this is sort of a, a, a time stamp in the story of Mark, which he keeps very uh, consolidated and moving at a quick clip. Um, we're, we're told that they've been in Jerusalem, they've, they're there for this, the Passover, and now it's actually the day um, when the Passover is to begin. Uh, there's, there's a I don't want to say, that's not controversy, there's, there's varying opinions over what day this is, and it probably depends on, on where you th- fall on when the, what day the crucifixion happened. Um, so it's either Wednesday evening or it's Thursday evening. And, <clears throat> and so if Jesus was crucified on Thursday, this is Wednesday evening. If he was crucified on Friday, it was, it's Wednesday evening. We have different calendars and different ways that they measure days. And, and then we have Mark reading, writing to a, a, more of a, a, a Gentile audience, not a Jewish audience. So there's just a whole lot of, I'm not going to get wrapped around the axle on it. it. We know that the Passover's there. He tells us that it, it was a day that they were selecting the Passover lamb on that day. Um, they, would, they would make this sacrifice of the lamb and then it would follow by seven days of celebrating the Passover. And so now that this is all going, uh, from the, our last story last week, we found ourselves in Bethany, which is about a mile east of Jerusalem. And, and so the disciples understand that it's time for them to prepare the, the, the Passover meal for Jesus. And so they ask him the question, hey, wh- where are we to do this? Um, it's kind of interesting that they, they didn't just assume that they were going to be in Bethany um, at, at the home there, that they were to go somewhere else to do it. And, and so they say, where, where are we to go? And so in verse 13, Jesus responds to them and he, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And whenever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. And so he's, he's, he gives them a plan. Now earlier um, on, the, on uh, uh, Palm Sunday, I'm like, what's that, holiday, what's that holiday with the palm branches? I can't remember the... So, so earlier, there, that one seemed to be, uh, like, go down there, there's going to be a colt or donkey, and take, take that, and, and it, that seemed to be more, uh, like, not very prearranged. This one seems to be that Jesus has made arrangements beforehand for this all to happen. And so he says, when you go, go into the city, you're going to see a man carrying water. Now, for us, we might think, oh, that, how are you going to find a man with water? But in that day, it was, it, was, it was something that the, the ladies did. 
And so in, in our day and age, it might be the equivalent of, hey, go down to the city and look for a man that's wearing a purse. And go to follow that guy. He's, that's your clue. Now, I already, you know, my two little boys that have older sisters, so part of their toys is leftover purses. And, <clears throat> and so I see my boys walking around with, like, stuff. And I remember I talked to Gideon. I'm like, Gideon, what are you doing wearing a purse? He's like, Dad, it's not a purse. It's a satchel. And so, you know, even today, there's men that wear satchels that are not purses. They're man bags or whatever. I personally do not. And, and so they're to go find this guy. He would stand out in the crowd. And, and so they're not to talk to him necessarily. They're just following him to go back. And then as he went back to his home, that's where he would identify, they would identify the owner of the property. And at that point, that's the person that he was supposed to, they were supposed to speak with. And, it, and we know historically that Jerusalem, it's, I mean, still, just like today, it's a destination city, tons of people there. For them to earn extra money, they would often have like a, a they'd build a room on top of their property, and they'd use it like an Airbnb thing. Like, hey, they'd rent out their room for the guests that came in. And so arrangements, I don't know if Jesus booked this online, or he saw this guy earlier, or whatever, but he'd made, he'd made arrangements. And so he, these guys go through the plan, verse 16, they went out and they came to the city and they found it just as Jesus had told them and they prepared the Passover. So they, they go up into the room. We know that it was furnished. We know that everything had been provided for him. Uh, it seems that they were told, you know, just leave these guys alone. They're going to be celebrating the Passover. And these two guys make all of the arrangements. <clears throat> and there's always those two guys. You, you know, I think God has given us Marthas, the people who like to serve behind the scenes, um, you know, I, I, Helene is clearly a Martha. Like I'm there, I'm there with her on Sunday night and then on Wednesday to comfort her. And I can't tell you how many times she said, well, can I get you something to drink, to eat? I'm like, no, like I'm here for you. Like, you know, like don't, don't survey. There are those people that are just gifted in that way. I, I can, I can see Beth's, you know, looking at me back there. And, and this crew of people that came in on whatever day it was to, to, to clean the church, for the worship team to serve in this way. There, there are always those people who are serving behind the scenes that God has gifted and called them, and, and they're just wonderful people to think of all that goes into making this happen. Um, there were people that I'm super grateful for. And in this scene, these two guys were told by Jesus to go and make all of the arrangements, and the other 10 guys were going to hang back in Bethany and just chill out, I guess. I don't know what they were doing. But so they make all the arrangements. And then we come to verse 17. When it was evening, he came with the 12. <clears throat> and they were reclining at the table eating. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, in context, if we were to go back to chapter or verse, verse 10, <clears throat> we, re- we read that then Judas Iscariot <clears throat> who was one of the 12, went off to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And so they were glad. Their, their scheme of, of arresting Jesus and crucifying him had been, had been placed in order. Uh, he got the, the money from them or whatever happened, and then he came back to Jesus like nothing had happened. And Jesus, in this scene, verses 17 through 21, he's going to confront Judas in, midst, in the midst of all of them, Uh, sort of showing his sovereignty and his omniscience that he knows the things that are happening. And by the end of this scene, according to the Gospel of John, 
Judas gets up and he leaves. And so most of the Lord's Supper was just the 11 disciples. And so in verse 17, we read, when, e- when it was evening, he came with the 12 and they were reclining at the table. I think I, I, think I read this already. This is going to be the downside of three services. I won't be able to remember what I said or didn't say. Um, <clears throat> and, and so this kind of kills the mood, you think. Like they're here to celebrate the Passover. Um, this, this is an exciting time. And Jesus now says, one of you is going to tr- basically stab me in the back. Like this, this is going to end in a very bad way. Verse 19, they, be, they began to be grieved. Now this word can be translated in multiple ways, and I notice that various translations use like gr- grieved, saddened, distress, which sort of takes a different angle. Like there's the, to be sorrowful over something that you did, but distressed, like kind of like worry, like am I going to blow it, sort of. They didn't know what was going on, but as they respond, we see that they, there's humility that they recognize that maybe one of them would fall short. Uh, so, something I, I, I think about sort of in my previous life and preparing for combat, there's so, sort of like something like you don't know until you're act- how you're going to respond until you're actually in that situation. And so there's this, this common kind of anxiety, I think, amongst that culture of, 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 of individuals that are like, are they going to choke when the bullets start flying? And I, and I sort of sense that in this, that they were, they were grieved, they were distressed, they were sorrowful, like maybe they would fail as the intensity increased. And so we're told that one by one, they sort of went to Jesus and said, surely not I. And I believe that in that midst going around the table, certainly Judas would have been one of the guys that would have said the same thing. Probably, you know, if he was hooked up to a lie detector, you know, his pulse would be off the charts. Like, how did Jesus know? Like, how did this possibly, like, how did I get found out already? But he would have said, surely not I, uh, just like the others. Um, From the 11, a lesson I I learn from them or I take from them is sort of uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 10, verse 12, we read, therefore, let him who thinks he stands heed that he doesn't fall. And so in their response, the 11, there seems to be great humility, like recognizing their frailty and their, their capacity to fail. And I think that that demonstrates maturity in the Christian life when we recognize, like, I am not strong and I have a propensity to fail and I think that that's why being in fellowship with, is so important for us because being out there as a lone ranger isn't what the Christian life is, is about. Um, I know I've always appreciated Brian's transparency with, you know, he's like, hey, I'm struggling being all alone. Be praying for me. And, and, and we need this to hold each other together. And in verse 20, we read, and he said to them, it is one of the 12. It's one of you guys. You who are close and intimate with me. To think about that, that Judas, he had the opportunity to hear virtually every word that Jesus spoke during his earthly ministry. He saw all of the miracles. He saw how Jesus interacted in his private life, how he would retreat to pray. He knew everything about this man, and yet he betrays him. And he says, one who dips with me in the bowl So I have this scene sort of, you know, we're in, we're in Southern California. Naturally, we think of chips and salsa. You know, there's sort of, you know, there's rules about chips and salsa. 
Like if you're with people that you don't really know, like one person kind of dips at a time. Some people are like, you're not allowed to double dip or not. Like I don't care if you double dip because I'm going to double dip. And because every bite is important. Now I just got the whole bowl of salsa to myself. <clears throat> if you're with your family, you can kind of push the other person's hand out of the way or you can both go together and you're like fighting for the salsa that's about to spill out. And this is the kind of scene that I have in my mind. They're all sitting there close. It's intimate. They're, they're dipping into the same dish. Um, in Mark's account, it makes it sound like that they both had their hands in at the same time as they were dipping. And it was like, uh-oh, like Judas just got sold out. In John's account, I, if my memory is right, that Jesus dipped in the bowl and then he basically passed it over to Judas. So there is no question by the end of this that Jesus lets Judas know that he knows what he's done. There's no question about it. He also says that even though the, that Judas betray, betrayed him, there's sort of this you know, the, the great dance that everybody fights about, the sovereignty of God and his plan of motion and then human responsibility. So God is clearly in the midst of this, but, but also Judas has individual responsibility for his actions. And he says, for the son of man is going to go just as it is written, pointing to the scriptures of him. But woe to that man by who the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Speaking of, I believe, his, his ultimate life in hell apart from Christ. And so after this, John 13, 30, we're told that Judas gets up and he leaves. It, apparently it was done in a way that the disciples didn't really know what, what had happened. Um, it seemed like, well, he had the money. Maybe he needed to go make some arrangements or pay the guy for the room. Like, like th- there seems to be some vagueness on their mind. But so this story of the institution of the Lord's Supper, which we're getting at, it's now taking place without Judas being there. And in verse 22, we read, while they were eating. So a meal is in progress, this Passover meal. They're celebrating the Exodus. We're told that Jesus took some bread And after a blessing, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. So here we are on the eve when he's about to be taken into custody. This is Jesus' last meal before the cross. And he's explaining to them that this bread, this Passover bread, is now representative of of my body, which is going to be broken for you. Um, He would be their substitute. He would be our substitute, that he would stand in our place on the cross. And when he'd taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And so he gives thanks. He, He points to the juice that's in the cup. And what he's doing in this moment is he's, he's ratifying this Abrahamic covenant that he's now all of the sacrifices that had been done over the centuries and even that day in Jerusalem as all of these lambs are being slaughtered, he's saying there's going to be a new sacrifice. As the author of Hebrews says that this sacrifice is greater than all of the other sacrifices, that it, it cleanses down to the, the, the conscience and it's a once and for all situation. It's this new institute that he's created for the church. I find it so wonderful that today, as our first day of gathering after 12 weeks, 
that it just happens that we're in the passage where we can take the Lord's Supper together. It's, 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 it's wonderful. Um, then in verse 25, he says, Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine. So he's looking at this life. In, this, in his life at that moment, this sort of wraps up his, his, uh, the earthly ministry with them. And this would be his last meal and he would be crucified. Um, but then he looks to the future and he says, until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Um, I, when I read this now, I always think of Michael Nichols was a, was a missionary we supported for, for many, many years. And they kind of stepped out of the ministry and they're back in Australia. And when we were in Israel, uh, it was he and Chris, who are super good friends, have very opposing views on alcohol. And, and uh, so Chris is like, no, I don't touch alcohol. And Michael's like, I'm okay with a glass of wine. And so I was like sitting between them like referee and kind of like, hey, can we get, like somehow I got out of the argument of the whole thing and I was just sort of like watching. And, and Michael said, well, I'm okay with a glass of wine because we're, to- we're told, Jesus says that one day we're going to be with him at the, at, the, at the banquet and we're going to have a glass of wine with him. And I said, oh, this point for Michael. You know, that's like the, but, but here Jesus is pointing to this day like this is going to get really bad, guys. But when this is all over, you can have hope and know that there's going to be this great banquet feast and we'll be able to participate in this again. And then we're told in verse 26, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so the, the story shifts. So you, if you have your little juice cup, go ahead. There's, there's, two, little, there's two little wrappers. There's the, there's the outer tier of the wafer. And make sure there's trash cans that you guys can kind of uh, peel your trash cans and you can open up your grape juice. All right. So it's a little wafer for those of you like me who grew up in the Catholic Church. You might have some some, uh, flashbacks of a little wafer. Brings back memories for me. Um, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, it's a, it's, a, it's a verse. I'll wait till everybody, I can tell people are still trying to figure out the wafer in there. This is how many grape explosions are we going to have of like the... Okay, everybody ready? All right. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, after Paul talks about, he's talking about the Lord's Supper, there's, there's one verse in there that has never meant so much as it means to me today. Concerning the Lord's Supper, he says, So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And it's so good to be able to be together, to participate in the Lord's Supper with one another. Uh, the Lord's Supper, as we have the cracker in our hands, This is to remind us to look back to the cross, that what Jesus did on the cross, it was sufficient. It was once and for all. He paid for our sins in full. We don't bring anything to the table. We are saved by his grace through faith. And so this is a reminder for us as we take communion that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. We also are told that we're to look inward. It's a time for us to confess our sin, uh, to, to get right with God, that Um, 
You know, when you give your life to Christ, it's not that you no longer sin. It's just now you're a saved sinner. And so it's time for us to sort of confess and to renew and to get right with God. Uh, we're also told to, um, to, to look outward, that we're told that as, as often as we take this, we're to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again, that we've been commissioned uh, to share the good news. And then finally, with the Jews, we're to look, we're to look forward. Uh, we look forward to the day um, when we can sit at the table with Christ and to celebrate the, the new heavens and the new earth, all of the garbage that we see in the news, all of the fears, all of the sin that bubbles up day to day, that's all going to be done away with. And so we have hope to the future. With that, let's pray, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you, uh, Lord, for your life. We thank you for your death on the cross. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand all the more clearly how perfect his death was, that it was sufficient for us to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. We thank you for grace. As we have the cup, Lord, we're reminded of the new covenant, that it was a once and for all death for us. Father, we thank you. We ask, Lord, that you would renew us day by day. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to be a light for you to a very lost world. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen.